testing, testing. One, two, three, episode 14. 14, baby. What are we talking about? We are talking about uh, ways to increase performance uh, inside the gym. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. I uh, This one is um, very surreal for us because we just had an incident the other day with one of our athletes and we were just, you know, following up, talking about it. How would you handle this? Uh, what do you do in these situations, right? That's what I think all good coaches should do anyways. And one of the things we find with our program uh, when we talk about pull-ups is there's such a huge disparity in skill that uh, it's really hard to standardize everyone and on a certain continuum. What I mean by that is in a perfect world, everyone comes to our facility or can quickly start performing pull-ups with no assistance. That's not the case. And then we have to start dealing with different experiences and shapes and sizes that the the most common modification we use for the pull-up is the band. And uh, I think the band has done a disservice uh, to people, uh, getting them to believe they're actually doing pull-ups or they're moving toward the direction of building pull-ups on their own uh, because what we have found is the opposite that it takes years if if not longer for people to to go from banded pull-ups to rx pull-ups yeah i feel like it's kind of getting back to the drawing board on approaching what can you do extra what because a primary uh reason why people can't get pull-ups is because they're overweight you know you got these people that can, you know, deadlift maybe 500, 600 pounds, but they can't do a damn pull-up because they weigh so much, you know? So I feel like this episode's going to go on the harsh reality of me and you being the bad coach right. saying, hey, uh, you know, this is what you got to do. You know, you're not doing enough on your part. So, yeah, I think it's a good, uh, good opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, go into some depth on some, some tracks you can do on your own. You can do your part additional to our um, group class programming. Yeah, I mean, and that's a great segue to the first one. Like, when we're thinking about movement, one of the things we should really do is, especially if the volume is too high, either by sets, reps, or load, we have to reduce the volume, so scale the reps, but not the range of motion. There's only a few incidences we would scale the range of motion. One, for physical injury, if someone moves to a direction that causes pain, that's a huge alert that we have to stop that range of motion or reduce that until that pain reduces because of injury. And two is physical incapacity, right? They just can't, no matter what you do, can move into that range. Usually beginners or people with uh, that have struggled through range of motion, surgery, things like that. So what can we get in there? We know that for every single movement that we have, we have identified and a standard range of motion. Yeah, that has to be the priority because that's the only way you'll develop strength in any type of movement is maintaining a full range of motion. You know, you'll have people that will go too heavy on some type of movement and they'll be doing partial reps, half reps. How's that quarter squat gang Instagram page, right? Page, you got people that have, it. you know, all this weight and they're doing quarter reps. It's a bad look and there's no way you'll develop strength by doing, you know, um, not full range of motion. So that has to be the foundation. And it's up to us as coaches to make sure, hey, this is your priority, move through full range of motion. Yeah, so an example is the pull-up. We're talking about the pull-up. So if a workout calls for 10 pull-ups done in a 20-minute AMRAP, but the individual can only do like three kipping pull-ups with no assistance, I'll take those three kipping RX pull-ups over 10 banded pull-ups 
any day. Yeah, no doubt. You know, break it down into smaller sets. Do three, you know, your set of three, rest. Do another set of three, rest. But at least we're keeping that, you know, we're that same stimulus. We're keeping that same uh, that same movement, that same full range of motion. And I think the struggle with some athletes is that that competitive spirit that we love will sometimes force people to move to a scale because they just, they, they want to feel like they're doing well by moving through as many rounds as possible by moving the fastest and sometimes they're compromising actually improving because the scale is just a little too easy for them yeah or you got the entire class doing regular pull-ups and they don't want to be the one to go grab a pair of rings or and uh you know that that's part of the game it's just kind of being aware on where you stand and you know hey i'm gonna you know eventually get there and if you want it bad enough you'll get there and you just gotta start doing more start doing more on your part yeah, and, and what that comes to is when we talk about community is that we hope that we are developing those relationships with our athletes to have those those tough conversations because they need to ultimately know that what we are saying is for their own good. We're not saying it because like we're we're trying to sound chauvinistic or that like we know everything. We're just saying with our experience and what we know, this is what they should do instead. And hopefully that, again, over time, we continue to develop those relationships that they trust what we say, even if uh, they want to do something different. Yeah, they just got to understand that we have their best interests in mind. You know, everything we do, every suggestion we make, their best interest is in mind. The other thing to, to think about, the second thing, is coming up with accessory work or doing extra work or before or after class. Uh, the, the thing that you know, I struggle with the most in our community is that, you know, in a perfect world, people are working on their weaknesses all the time. They're showing up early or they're staying a little bit late and they're working on it. Unfortunately, people just get comfortable just showing up uh, right before class, taking the hour class, having an amazing workout and leaving. But what happens is they will eventually find frustration in movement sets they struggle with because our program is is trying to expose them. It's not trying to get them to feel good all the time. And so when we finally expose one of their weaknesses, they really get frustrated. And they the, the person who I know is thinking wrong is when they start to blame the programming because we agree that's that the, the programming is not like that's just this programming is not the end all be all. You have to do other stuff because we recognize we're not all the same. So if someone same combo with the band, we had the combo two weeks before and we said, listen, we really just need to work on this a little bit because seeing the pull up right. Here's our promise that. Every single day, week, and month, we are going to change the workouts absolutely and uniquely different. So we agree that when we do our programming for the seven days out, we're going to program pull-ups once that mm-hmm. week. So let's say this week it falls on the Tuesday, the next week falls on the Wednesday. If the individual doesn't come to next Wednesday's class, they can go two to three weeks without seeing the pull-ups again. Yeah. In my opinion, if you're only working on a weakness during group class hours, you don't want to get better at it bad enough. For sure. And... And so when someone says, yeah, I really want to improve on this, and then for the next two weeks, I never see them work on pull-ups. You don't care that much. They don't really care. So it's like we can't lead the – we can lead them to the water, right? I'll be the first one to send you two or three different programs for pull-up programs that I know are logical and make sense. But if you don't take it, print it, use it, and follow it on a weekly basis, I cannot do anything more for you. Yeah, so I feel like accessory movements have to be key, have to be part of your program, additional to the group class, the group programming.
And it doesn't have to be that hard. Like stick to the program. If it says you need to practice pull-ups three days a week and it's literally giving you everything you need to do, all you need to do is show up and do it. Yeah, and the worst is when some people will come early, they'll be jacking around doing other stuff. Like, hey, you could have spent the last 10, 15 minutes waiting for class to start. Instead of sitting on the foam work, roller. Working on a, a weakness, uh, you know. Sitting on the foam roller uh, as a pillow. Uh, I see that all the time. Or the... Uh, the standing hanging toe stretch for like an hour. Or yeah, or texting on their phones. Like, yo, we put that time to use, you know? Yeah, and so we try to encourage them as much as possible, but we're also realistic, right? We know that this is a long game. I believe the best athletes in the world are the ones who have been doing this the longest. Why? Because they have more frequency with the movements that they struggled at than we do, right? I've been literally doing CrossFit for 10 years. So that means I have an advantage of everyone who's been doing CrossFit for, for three years and under. A huge advantage. I got more frequency, more time to practice these things. So I think one is teaching patience and being due diligent to the process. Yeah, just kind of give them, you know, lead them in the right direction. Uh, give them the ability to, you know, eventually get better, but they got to be pointed towards that right direction. Yep. And we're the first ones to tell them, like, we're open door policy. Come to us. Ask us for help. Knock on the door. Text us. Like, we want to help them, not just in the middle of group class, but outside of that as well. But at the end of the day, it's up to them to want to get better. You know, it's comes to show for anything. You You get what you put in. You put in the extra practice the extra accessory work, follow a program from start to finish, and uh, the results will come. Like, you know, you get what you put in. Yeah, and that leads us to the third point, which is following a program and stick it to it. Uh, it requires a lot of discipline. We talked about this in the break today. Like, d- discipline at its pure essence is two words. It's consistent effort. And for it to be effort, it has to be uncomfortable. That means when they're doing the pull-up program, they're struggling on the last set. It's a little uncomfortable, but it has to be consistent. And if they cannot maintain a discipline because they didn't get the results as fast as they perceived the results to be, they're going to move on to the next sexiest thing. And the biggest struggle I have with beginners is that they, they program hop. They just do one program after another and ask them, hey, are you still doing that program? No, I stopped doing that. Hey, are you still doing that program? No. I'm doing this other thing and those people struggle the most because they're looking for the magic pill yeah it just comes down to kind of uh, being aware on what you are probably the worst at stick you know commit to that try to get better at that instead of hey I have three or four weaknesses let's try to get better at all of them at once you know uh, stick to a program do the accessory work that we just talked about needed to that program but like you just said don't program hop don't jump around um, leave that you know other weakness to another day. You know, focus on one thing at a time. My belief is keep your strengths your strengths. Right, we've been giving these gifts, so keep them that way. But build your weaknesses as well. And basically, it's an elevation of fitness. We're improving our work capacity. We're keeping those strengths high, and those ones that are detrimentally low, they need to be risen as well to increase the space underneath. And that's what we are defining as work capacity. Yeah, and then it also just comes down to. Uh, what we talk about all the time, there's no such thing as instant gratification. You're not going to snap your fingers and then all your weaknesses are just going to be healed and you're going to be a stud athlete, an elite athlete. You know, stay consistent, do something small regularly, daily, and, and eventually you'll make your weaknesses stronger. Yeah, that regular daily component is important. I think it's one of the reasons uh, why people appreciate how we do programming. The traditional model that no one's ever challenged is 
let's just program the workout the night before on our blog and everyone look it up and show up. I think the way this program is moving, that's a really bad idea because you can't encourage people to plan out building their weaknesses when you're giving them one workout at a time. That is a bad idea. So what we do instead to our members, we privately send them a link to the seven days out. So on Sunday, we send them seven days of programming so that when we have these conversations about where individuals need to build their weaknesses, they can do it on days that don't interfere with the current programming. And that, what I found, is the best way to meet both worlds. Yeah, no, I love it how we do it. And then also, you know, if I see a weakness on mine during group class, when I check Sundays when we send out the programming, I'll say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be there that Tuesday. I'm going to get coached on that movement because it's a weakness of mine, you know. And then also, maybe before going into that class, I'll do some accessory work before doing that. But at least... I have that, you know, ability to kind of outline on what my week's going to look like, on where I need to be, when I need to be there, you know, focusing on that specific weakness. Yeah, that's really good because you can't say you want to work on a weakness and then disappear on the day that we're working on the movements. That yeah, That's the worst. The fact that a weakness will be on someone on the programming and then someone will not go because they don't want to do it. My favorite line like It's is, not going to go anywhere. My favorite line is that's my favorite or um, uh, that's my favorite movement. And what they're really saying is. I like that exercise because I'm good at it. Yeah. Or if someone says, I hate this exercise, what they're saying is, I'm not good at it, so I don't enjoy it. And really, we just need to dig deep into those statements because really there's some profound issues going, uh, some profound uh, uh, understanding that they that they need that needs to be brought up to those individuals, right? Like, uh, there's no perfect workout. I uh, I struggle with the the com, uh, the statement. I really like this workout today. What they really meant is that I was they good can, at it. Yeah, I was good at or it. Or they were made for it. Give, let's just program. It's the reason why we don't program uh, a three mile time trial, right? Because everyone would walk out of there like, I don't like that workout. What really they're saying is, I'm not good at it, and I just didn't enjoy it. Uh, we know so we have to curtail to the market a little bit but we're not going to give up our philosophy which is like skill of the week is running and every single day in the beginning of each class we're going to do intervals that they're going to be uncomfortable with Mm -hmm. yeah because we're not programming uh with the idea in mind that hey let's make up some stuff that the whole gym is good at you know it's our jobs to challenge them on put stuff in the program and they're not good at you know um, but what they should be doing to be a functional human being. You know, that's how we program. We program to get, you know, our biggest increase in physical capabilities. And that's how we program to try to get all of our athletes at the utmost, you know, um, physical capabilities. We're not just going to do stuff we're good at. That doesn't make sense. You, there's no room to grow. Well, it'd be lying to them. It's like the power lifter who's proud. He lifts 500 pounds, but he doesn't acknowledge he can't run a mile without stopping. It's the marathon runner that runs six-minute miles, but doesn't acknowledge he can't squat his body weight. These are major gaps in fitness, and we are a fitness program that has a direct and equal effect to their health. And if it's not improving their health, then we're all lying to ourselves because the goal of doing the stuff we're doing in the gym is that we hope that it will literally transfer into better health. Yeah, no doubt. And the last one, um, you know, I, I think that you can only learn through years of experience uh, with our program is being able to know what your baseline is, what your skill, your current capacity is at what I would say in our program is our core 30. They're really... 30 or so movements that we're cycling through infinite variation. And I think every individual should know their current ability 
what is the highest ability in our uh, industry for that skill and what is the lowest ability. And they'll fall somewhere in between. But what we want to do is move in the direction of the continuum of most advanced. Yeah, that, that just comes down to what? The foundation, see where they stand. I would identify something as a baseline strength. We can say that the average skill for the pull-up is one strict pull-up. So anyone who doesn't have at least one strict pull-up is below baseline. We can advance that. And so if someone can do a muscle-up, we know they are well above baseline for their upper body pulling strength because it's to the right of the continuum. It is a more advanced skill. We can do this, right? There are different charts online that uh, CrossFit gyms use to assess current skill, advanced skill, and least skill. But we can create our own, and I think individuals should too. Um, what, what's a baseline that people should know? Like, what movement do you think people should know their baseline at? Uh, I think deadlift's a good one. You know, at least 1.25% of your body weight. And, uh, you know, we're just talking about pull-ups. Like, if you're thinking, uh, hey, my goal is to do a muscle-up, and you say, hey, how's your chest-to-bar pull-ups? Oh, I can only get my chin to the bar. That's, you know, the chest-to-bar pull-ups is going far down the continuum we just talked about. Um, it's, uh, you know, uh, setting a baseline. I, I love that concept. Well, we, the other combo, which makes a really good point, is that people shouldn't jump too high above their baseline skill because they're lying to ourselves. And this is the problem I see in social media posts with people that don't understand this. Uh, the, the bigger frustration I have are people that use these crazy, these crazy scales for bar muscle-ups. The lady's doing this cool thing and she's swiping through the bar or she's jumping really hard. Well, it doesn't matter what you give that individual. If they don't have one strict chest-to-bar pull-up, it doesn't matter what you give them. They will never be able to perform the bar muscle-up. And so as trainers, we have to be very careful because our athletes come to us with all this crap they're seeing online and they're saying, well, why can't I just do this scale? Well, we're like, that scale will do absolutely nothing for you to get to this scale because you're so far... The gap between the two is so far. Yeah, it's unfortunate. There's people out there that are almost ripping people off because that stuff kind of looks sexy. It looks appealing. And, you know, they're taking full advantage of that. They're trying to sell that to the individual athletes that are not, you know, are misinformed. They're not, you know, aware on where they're at, their physical capabilities at. So, like, oh, hey, it looks like a magic pill to me. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a pretty unique, you know, transition skill I can practice. So good. But, uh it takes good coaching to be the realist and maybe the bad guy to say, hey, you know, nothing fancy that you just saw will work if you do not lose a little bit of weight and then get your pull-ups up. Yeah, I mean, the fact of the reality, a lot of these difficult movements, especially the body weight movements, have to do with a really with the individual's really low strength to body weight ratio. They're not strong enough and they are too heavy to do that movement. Uh, I've never seen a 400-pound person perform uh, 30 chest-to-bar pull-ups. It like, doesn't there's work. There's a reason for that. The physiological need uh, is too great. So um, I love that. I, I think we should finish there with like not falling for that, knowing, not falling for the magic pill, either literally falling for the magic pill or thinking that some secret modification is going to help you get this movement that you're really just not practicing at, that you just need to practice more. Yeah, and just you know, be uh, proceed with caution on who you take advice from. I feel like it's a good coach's ability to kind of keep it real with you, even if you don't want to hear it, you know, um, straight. But you know, be coachable, and then like the coach that tells you something you might not want to hear—that's a good coach. 
Right. People are paying all this money to train with us. They need to utilize the knowledge that we have to be able to move them in the right direction. I think, uh, you know, maybe getting them uncomfortable saying, hey, listen, like it goes back to January 1st. What are your goals and how are you going to get there? I think people need to set these quarterly goals and they need to stick to them and they got to do all this stuff that we talked about with goal setting episodes back about what that looks like and constantly like this program is a constant slap in the face because we are constantly trying to get you to do things that you can't currently do where other programs make you deceive you right these boot camps and these spin classes and all this other stuff that makes you think that you're really improving but you're not yeah, it comes down to a famous quote I've been seeing a lot lately is, you know, you set these goals, but does your day-to-day action align right with your goals? That's powerful. You know? It's the clouds and dirt we talked about last week. Like, here's my goal. Here's the cloud vision. But what's the dirt? What are the things you're doing to get in dirty every single day? Yeah, you just can't hope for that instant gratification. You know, just chip away, chip away, chip away. That's been my uh, go-to lately in group classes. Hey, we're chipping away. We're chipping away on a long workout, a long, gruesome workout where, you know, the athletes are are starting to run down a little bit. Hey, chip away, chip away. That's powerful, man. Thanks, guys. We hope you took a couple things uh, from the podcast this week. Uh, Leave us a comment. Appreciate you guys. See you guys.